big thank you to Myra Green for her music, her composition, Passing Places. You can find out more about Myra Green and her music at myragreen.com or pop on to my own website, bonnytours.com, and follow her story from there. Hello and welcome to episode 53 of Passing Places. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. And if you're new to the podcast, I say every week it's my personal diaries of my travels around Scotland. And this week I've still been confined to bricks and mortar, but I've been out every day and we've been blessed with some pretty decent weather, lots of dry days, the odd uh, not so good day, but overall it's been good. And I've been out and about. I think in this week's episode the focus seems to have ended up being around the, the Glasgow area, not least of all because I went for a really good walk up in the Kilpatrick Hills, uh, just next to Oakilpatrick or the Erskine Bridge on the Clyde, if you're looking at the map of the central belt of Scotland. And I was just taken by the view as you walk up the side of the Kilpatrick Hills, the view that you get looking east back through the, the scene of the Erskine Bridge and the huge flatlands around Greater Glasgow with the high-rise flats and all the urban sprawl of a large city. You get uh, an amazing view from the, the walk I took up the Kilpatrick Hills. So that got me thinking about Glasgow. And just by coincidence, I was due to drop my daughter Caitlin off at Bellhouston Park uh, this weekend. So I took the opportunity of a wander around Bellhouston Park. So I've got some audio for you from Bellhouston Park a bit later. First of all, I just wanted to give a big shout out to and another voicemail, a speak pipe. And this is from Liz Mackay, and I'll let you hear Liz's voicemail. Hi, Kevin, Skid, Liz Mackay here. Just a wee message to say thank you for the recent podcasts. I really enjoyed them. Bye for now. Thanks, Liz. I always say it's great to get some feedback, and there's nothing better than the voicemail. And even your bird, I'm not sure what it is, some sort of parrot or whatever, got its uh, comment in at the very end. So uh, maybe let me know what kind of bird it is, or maybe one of the listeners will know. But I really do appreciate you getting in touch. And all you other listeners out there, it really is a good way to fire me up for the podcast, is just nip onto the website, play around with a little recorder, and when you're happy with your draft recording, press send. If you're not happy, you don't have to, but you can experiment and send it when you're ready, and I'll play it on the next week's episode, and uh, it's your chance to give me some feedback. Another great opportunity is the reviews on iTunes. If you'd like to leave me a review on iTunes, that really does help the podcast get discovered by other people. So let's move on to the week that was. As I said, the weather was great, and I spent a, a really lovely day. I think it was last... Thursday or Friday, I was on the Kilpatrick Hills. It's a walk I've done before. I wanted to go up to uh, Loch Humphrey, which is one of the reservoirs in the Kilpatrick Hills. And just beyond Loch Humphrey, there's quite a good little vantage point on the Duncombe Hill, which is the highest point of the Kilpatrick Hills. So I would certainly recommend this as a walk. I'll give you some brief uh, sense of it and directions. If you're if you know the Erskine Bridge, which is one of the main landmarks as you come out of the um, central belt heading towards the highlands over the um, Clyde on the A82, 
after being on the M8 motorway. You'll see right in front of you as you're coming over the Erskine Bridge of the Kilpatrick Hills. And you drop into O'Kilpatrick and this little road goes up to the train station and you drive past the entrance to the railway station and just bare left there's a waterworks there and you can park your car. And a single track road takes you up past some holiday cottages and a couple of farms and then it turns into an old track and it gets steeper and steeper until you're on the, I suppose, the plateau of the Kilpatrick Hills, probably about maybe 11, 1,200 feet above sea level, and the Clyde below you is at sea level, so you get a fantastic view of the Clyde from the Erskine Bridge right out to the Firth of the Clyde, and if you look back at the Erskine Bridge looking east instead of west, you'll see the whole of the Greater Glasgow conurbation laid out in front of you, and it just gives you that sense of how close the hills and some great places for recreation are just how close Glasgow is to a rural landscape. So it's quite a quite a good walk. It's a, a reasonable ascent, if you like, from the start of the walk to the, the plateau, and then you've got another maybe 15, 20 minutes to Loch Humphrey, another 10 minutes or so, and you're on the top of Duncombe Hill. So probably depending on, there's a shortcut way to get to uh, Loch Humphrey, but if you stick to the track, it's maybe three or four miles round trip, probably four miles round trip. And on a day like uh, last Friday, fantastic weather, and I spent hours up there just sitting on rocks taking in the view, so I certainly recommend that as a walk. If you're coming over the Erskine Bridge on a nice day, you fancy to stretch your legs, just park up as I described and take a walk up that track and you can go as far as you want. You don't have to go to the very top, but uh, well worth it for the views. And then after that, uh, as I say, I've been out every day. I'm on six and a half thousand steps this uh, week. It's gone up to six and a half thousand. I'm actually managing a bit more than that. So it's more of a, a floor than a than a ceiling. But on what day is today? Monday. Uh, yesterday I dropped Caitlin off at the House for an Art Lover, which is a house in Bella Houston Park. And I'd, I probably wouldn't recommend Bella Houston Park if you're a tourist on holiday. I'd certainly recommend Glasgow. Spend a bit of time in Glasgow, and I'll tell you more about that once we come back from this audio. But I probably wouldn't recommend Bella Houston Park, mainly because we've got such a large selection of parks, and most of them are really, really uh, worth a visit. And probably Bella Houston wouldn't be one one of my favourites. But let's take you over to the House for an Art Lover in Bella Houston Park. Well, you join me. I'm sitting outside the House for an Art Lover in Glasgow, in Bella Houston Park. And I'll tell you all about Bella Houston Park in a few minutes' time. But this is a building that was designed by Charles Rennie Mackintosh in 1901 for a an international competition to design a, a house for an art lover and as the competition got underway he actually got disqualified I think for late submission of some plans so the house was never built but I'm sitting here looking at it because you know, 90 whatever five years later in 1996 uh, once Charles Rennie Mackintosh was renowned as a, an architect and designer I suppose worldwide 
a group of people went through a whole fundraising process and with the local authority and others they've built the house that Charles Rennie Macintosh designed way back in 1901 and it uh, looks great on the outside yet to visit the inside I won't do that today it's too sunny a day but uh, I could certainly recommend it as a way to get a good idea of Charles Rennie Macintosh's contribution to architecture and his style which is very much the art deco style of the early 20th century so it's a beautiful sunny day and we're going to go for a walk around Bella Houston Park So that was a very short piece of audio uh, Charles Rennie Macintosh has become much much more famous in death than he was in life but his influence on architecture and examples of his work can be seen all over uh, the city and beyond uh, you've maybe heard me mention the Hill House down in Helensburgh before another house that he designed but the house for an art lover is certainly I think worth a visit if you don't know much about Rennie Macintosh there's a sort of top end cafe there and you can hire the place for weddings and all sorts of stuff you know, up online you'll see the what they have to offer at the House for an Art Lover, but quite a striking building architecturally outside and sits quite nicely in its own gardens and mature trees. But the rest of Bellhouston Park has fallen into, I would say, pretty much a you know, state of neglect almost. I'm sure the City Council wouldn't agree, but it's a very large park and much of it on the lower levels is just, I say, just grass and pathways. It looks very, very um, sort of boring, and it could do with some some fresh ideas as to how best to maximise the, the use of space there. When I think of some of the other parks, you know, the decorative gardens they have, and the boating ponds, and all these other things that you can just wander around and enjoy the place, but more intimate. The Bellouston Park's a bit uh, too big and wide open for my liking. Get some nice views uh, looking out from the, the hillside. So if you were coming to Glasgow, you know, some of the parks that I really like from memory, I've lived in Glasgow for a year or two in the past, but if you're in the city centre and you're thinking of a coach tour or an open top double-decker bus tour, you will get taken out to Glasgow Green and the People's Palace. And that's, that's a, a nice park to visit. And then maybe out west you've got the Botanic Gardens at the top of uh, Byers Road in the west end of the city. And you've also got the Kelvin, Kelvin Grove Park, which is one of the really nice parks with the river flowing through and fantastic views of the university and things. It's a really nice park to, to visit and very handy for the city centre or some of the other sites you might be visiting, like the Kelvin Grove Art Museum or the Transport Museum. And then maybe another one that I used to like, I was a student at Jordan Hill College out in the west side of the city for a couple of years, many moons ago. And instead of going off to college, I would, on a nice day, I would buy myself a newspaper and spend quite a few hours reading the newspaper down in uh, Victoria Park, which is a bit further west, out towards Scotston. And where else could I recommend? Uh, probably thinking about Bell Houston Park. I mean, within 
maybe five minutes, ten minutes, just slightly further south from Bella Houston, you have Pollock Country Park, which is many years ago used to be claimed to be the largest green urban space in Europe. But uh, we, the planners, pushed the M77 motorway right through the park, sliced a, a corner off it. So I don't think it, if it did ever hold that title, it doesn't now, but it's still a, still the largest park, country park in Glasgow. And there's all sorts of things you can do there. Uh, certainly well worth a look. And if you were looking for a day out, I would recommend you visit Pollock Country Park rather than Bella Houston Park. So that's the, the parks in Glasgow. And let's take you back to Bella Houston because I've got uh, a bit more audio. One of the things that uh, really looking back on Bella Houston is the, the great um, events that have taken place there. And I'll let you hear this audio. So yeah, today we're in the south side of Glasgow in Bella Houston Park, one of the many public parks in the city of Glasgow. As you know, I tend to avoid cities, not because I dislike them. I've just spent too much of my life, particularly working life, in this sort of urban environment, so I enjoy the more remote areas. There's no harm in recommending Glasgow. I think it's a city well worth a visit. And going back to its early roots, I think the name is derived from Green Place or Green Valley. And that's probably the amount of rain we get in the west of Scotland, but there are certainly lots of public parks in Glasgow. It's a big thing in Victorian times for philanthropists, people who made their money in tobacco and cotton and all these other industries within the British Empire to hand over land to the corporation or the local council. So Bella Houston Park was such a gift to the people. And it makes a big difference if you're living in a city to able to wander around the green space with mature trees and lawned areas that you can relax and I suppose now people use it in the same way walk the dog and picnics and things so it's a lovely Sunday morning and sunny day and I'm in Bella Houston Park now Bella Houston Park's hosted a number of events it's one of the say larger parks in Glasgow so it sometimes hosts uh, pop concerts I think in the early 80s, 1982, uh, then Pope John Paul II visited Scotland and 300,000 people were here in Bellhouston Park to welcome him. But that wasn't the, the largest crowd assembled in Bellhouston. I think that honour goes to the Empire Exhibition. It was unofficially known as the British Empire Exhibition of 1938. Really spectacular event. Imagine an entire park, I can't remember the size of this place, but it's huge, completely filled with buildings, um, attractions, tents, and a huge tower, which is, I'm sitting at the base, at the foundations of the Tate Tower. I'll tell you about that in a second or two, but yeah, it's a huge event. It ran for five months, and prior to that, in 1938, Glasgow had gone through almost two decades of depression after the First World War. The Unemployment was really, really high through the 20s and Great Depression of the 30s. And uh, the exhibition in part was to try and regenerate economic growth in Glasgow. And there'd been a, an earlier exhibition, I think the year or a few years before in Paris, and prior to that 
in Wembley and the Glasgow exhibition was to really out, I suppose, outdo those two big events as a, as a major attraction. And people came from all over, I suppose, the empire and beyond, but mainly Glaswegians probably on a regular basis over the five months, six months that the exhibition ran. And the gate returns were around 13 million visitors. So it also turned out to be one of the wettest uh, summers in history. Yeah, I think it rained every single Saturday almost of the entire exhibition period. But as I say, the, it was a, an amazing event. If you look online, go onto YouTube or onto the internet generally and look up the Empire Exhibition 1938 in Glasgow. Tremendous event in terms of the buildings that were designed and the attractions there. But in 1995, the, tr the main attraction on the top of the hill here was a huge tower. Call it, and it became known as Tate Tower because Tate was the main lead architect in the design of all the buildings that were placed on the site. And in 1995, from memory, I think there was an attempt or a suggestion that they could reconstruct the Tate Tower and that one of the reasons that would be relatively easy was that it was still 3,500 tonnes of concrete foundations located in the park. So if that's true, I'm sitting on top of them. Although at the moment all I can see is boxed, box hedging and some uh, roses that are just on the turn, little rose bushes, but apparently there's a foundations of a huge tower here. And the tower was, uh, in terms of scale, same size as the Statue of Liberty in America, or Big Ben, they're both about 90 odd metres tall. And the Tate Tower was a huge structure sitting on top of this hill, uh, 300 feet tall, 90 odd metres high, two internal lifts which, uh, above ground level there was, the tower was surrounded by what they called the treetop restaurant, and then two high speed lifts took people up to the viewing platforms that were on three or four floors near the top of the tower where 600 people at a time could view a panoramic view around the city and it was said that the Tate Tower could be seen for almost 100 miles on a clear day. It was done in a, an art deco style. Really you need to see photographs of this tower to get a sense of it. Really impressive built of prefabricated steel, uh, fully clad, so that it appeared to have walls. It appeared much more substantial than it actually was. It was described by some people as a glorified lift shaft, but it was really impressive. Built in 1938 as the, the main focal point of the, the exhibition. And then, I suppose, sadly, pulled down in 1939 at the outbreak of war. There was a bit of a panic that it would set uh, fantastic marker for German bombers so they demolished the tower. Uh, I noticed they didn't consider doing that with Eiffel Tower or some of these other buildings but that's what they did with the Tate Tower which was a real shame and then as I say somebody talked about perhaps rebuilding it in Bella Houston Park. I don't see that happening but the tower was amazing. Nip online have a look and also during the exhibition there was a, a huge football tournament which at its climax over at uh, Ibrooks, which is the home of Rangers Football Club, uh, one of the two main, what they call the old firm clubs in Glasgow, Celtic and Rangers. 
and they had the uh, Empire Exhibition Tournament. It was the four top teams in Scotland were pitched against four top teams from England. And from memory, the Scottish teams were Rangers and Celtic, and I think it was Aberdeen and Hearts. And from England, uh, I think Arsenal were supposed to be playing, but were replaced by Brentford. And then Sunderland, Sunderland, Chelsea, and Everton. And so the, the four English teams played four Scottish teams, and three of the Scottish teams won. I think Rangers were beaten by Everton. And then Celtic, did Celtic play Hearts in the semi-final? But anyway, Celtic ended up in the final, and Everton beat the other Scottish team. And it was a final played at Ibrox in front of 85, 95,000. That type of crowd were the typical crowds you got for these games in the 30s. And Celtic, I think, won the match 1-0 in extra time. But it was a huge, prestigious event in terms of it was almost like the unofficial football champions of Great Britain or the, the UK so that was uh, part of the exhibition as well and also during that period the Queen Elizabeth liner was launched in the Clyde so it was a time of regeneration in Glasgow and it's really difficult to imagine Bellouston Park when you see the photographs of the, the great exhibition um, the Empire exhibition to imagine up to 13 million people visiting this site and where I'm sitting down in front of a few rose bushes a tower the scale of the um, Big Ben or the Statue of Liberty it's uh, not like that at all now just uh, some trees bit of a breeze sunshine Jack Russell and myself so we're still on the step program so we're going to wander around the park for another half an hour or so and get our daily steps in So yeah, the British Empire Exhibition of 1938 sounded like quite an event and maybe one day we'll see Tate Tower resurrected and rebuilt on the original foundations. So I've quite a brief uh, podcast this week. Uh, I'm still working hard on the, the PassingPlaces.Scot membership site, if you've heard me mention that in the last few weeks. Still a steady flow of people registering as uh, founder members, so... If you go on to passingplaces.scot or onto bonnytours.com, just uh, complete the registration for the newsletter and I'll include you in the, the beta testing, which is, I suppose I'm waiting in many ways for the, the winter to come, but it's round the corner. It's uh, getting dark between eight and half past eight in the evening and we're nearly there and that'll give me something to do for the winter. In the next week or two, I'll be getting an email back to all of you to give you an idea of how PassingPlaces.Scot is progressing. And in the meantime, I'll still try and get the roughly the weekly podcast out, and it will all still be on a free basis, as I've said before. So please do get in touch if you've got any ideas for content. One of the things I mentioned, uh, Periscope. I just haven't had the confidence or the opportunity to try it out yet, but I want to maybe give that a go. And I'm also looking at Blab, which is another online service. It's like an instant and free video conferencing software which is online. Have a look at Blab and maybe I'll do a Blab one day. So I'll uh, be back in front of the microphone next week with more feedback on where I've been uh, during the week ahead and uh, 
until such time as I catch up with you, stay safe. And if you're planning to visit Scotland or if you have any questions, get in touch. And it'd be great to see you on your travels. Thanks again.